All right, welcome to Brain Noodles. This is episode three, where we are going to talk about surviving our families for the holidays and all of that. But before we launch into that, let's check in with everybody and introduce ourselves. So again, I'm Dr. Megan Connell, psychologist out of Southeast Psych in Charlotte, North Carolina, therapeutic dungeon master, and lots of other things too. I don't, I don't feel like going through it all, but that's the stuff I do. <laughs> uh, let's go in order of who signed on to the call today. So let's go with Dr. Kelly Dunlap next. <laughs> I am Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and a game designer, and I teach at American University. I teach game design as an adjunct there, and I like long walks on the beach. Actually, I really hate the beach um, with mm-hmm. passion uh, because my people weren't meant for the sun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did also say earlier that you are very expert at using tape. Yes, yes. I um, in, in the realm of, of tabletop, my dexterity for tape would be like a, a 50 <laughs> like five zero. Dexterity. Yeah, that's excellent. excellent. <laughs> um, I am Dr. Rachel Cowart. I am the research director of Take This. I am a research psychologist, and I am not as good with tape, which is how the tape conversation happened because the call started with me fidgeting with a non-compliant roll of tape. So my tape dexterity more like a two. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Dr. Sarah Sawyer. I am um, a licensed clinician out in Seattle, Washington in private practice. I also work as the content manager for Take This, and I do a lot of, like, I guess vocal work, because you never see my face. It's kind of weird (laughs) for geeks like us between Thuffins Mm -hmm. and the Brain Noodles. And I will be on the new Clinical Role Untitled campaign. Yes, you will. Yeah, yeah. it's Clinical Role, the main campaign, they are pirates now, but they are pirates in the way that the Muppets were pirates in Muppet Treasure Island. (laughs) So true. It is. Yeah, we all got our pirate names this week. So if you're catching up on Clinical Role, some good pirate names in there. Yep. My favorite is Salty. Yeah, that was a good one. That was good. All right. How's everybody doing? Like, how are you guys doing for just life? Mixed bag. I will say mixed bag. I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. I am currently set up to interview in early December with the new practice, group practice that I, we noodled a touch about last time. Mm-hmm. I'm very nervous, hopeful that it goes well and that my, my wife loves it there. So we take that opportunity. I think you will. You better. <laughs> <laughs> I am neck deep in shipping for my Kickstarter that I did this year, Pragmatic Princess. It's a children's book, and my office is currently covered in posters, hence the tape problem I'm having right now. So how many posters are you having to ship out? Uh, 50. Okay, that's a lot. It's a, there's a lot of tubes. There's a lot of tape. There's a lot happening. <laughs> Tell our noodly listeners what your shirt says today, Rachel. It says meh vibes, which kind of... <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. That's my vibe. Uh, also, also a mixed bag. Um, the puppies I've been fostering are eight weeks old. And so they're, this week they're going in to get fixed and then adopted to their new homes. Okay. So I'll be a, a puddle of tears um, when, they, when they go. Uh, the good thing is I started my streaming. So that's fun. I did my, my first live stream. I also was a pirate playing Sea of Thieves which is really challenging while I also talk about research. So that was, and monitor the chat. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of cognitive load there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then as, as of this recording, I was laid off from my job. 
So it's a good, it's, it's a week of ups and downs. And so I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm fine sharing that because by the time this comes out, I will have finished everything. Uh, yeah, hello from the past. And I'm, I'm excited to be here in the now. Things happen and we move on. Like, I think I have, I'm almost finished with one of my big projects, which is a relief. Um, then I can like actually work on my projects, which is going to be weird. That'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. It's strange to think about like actual time to work on the stuff I'm wanting to work on. Cause I thought this project would be done during the summer and it's just taken way too long. So I, I can that. relate. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Oh my gosh. Well, so one of the things that we do on here is gaming confessional and Rachel, you've heard this one, and I, uh, Sarah, if you were listening on a cl- clinical role last night, you heard it too, but I, it's worth repeating because it's so freaking funny, I think, which is I'm just recently back from Game Holcon, which is probably my favorite convention that I go to. It's very small. It's very chill. Um, and like some decent, decently sized gaming companies come there uh, from the tabletop world, one of them being uh, Beetle and Grimm. They make these amazing like chests with all kinds of things that you can give your players, like uh, coins and maps and just different props and stuff that you can use for live play games. I love their products. They're expensive. Nothing I've been, ever been able to like really realistically afford and have in my games. But I was really excited one night because we were playing with all three of the people at the con from Beetle Grown. I was just geeking out over like their head guy was sitting next to me and like hanging out. We shared a beer and like chatted and he was a really great role player. And I knew his name was Matthew. Didn't realize it was Matthew Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> until like the next day after we had all left the con and so it was like oh my gosh you got to play with Matthew Lillard I'm like yeah who's that I was like yeah he's the little group guy I know it's so amazing they're like you know he's an actor right yeah, the story kills me yeah, like, yeah, the story Shaggy. kills me Shaggy the <laughs> bad guy in Scream I know I, I, yeah so that's my confession I am clueless I will geek out over people for the amazing D&D stuff they make, but then I find out they're an actor. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Hey, but you still make... Too. Yeah. They do things too. They do. <laughs> they also wear underwear often. Yes, yes. So that's my little gaming confessional story. <laughs> story. So we're rolling into the Christmas season. Like, as soon as Halloween ended... The Christmas season has begun. So I have a fun little like uh, discussion that I think might result into a fight. So I have to remind you guys, we're all friends here. <laughs> we're all friends. Okay. Uh, because we're going to be talking about conflict resolution with your family too. So maybe we'll have to model it here, which is a very important question. When is it appropriate to start decorating for the holidays? I have a clarification question to your question. Mm-hmm. Okay. When is it appropriate or when can you? Well, and that, that, see that we can kind of dissect into that too, because I think for some, there's some people in our neighborhood who are putting up lights, but they're not on yet because they're putting up a lot of lights. So like they didn't start though till after Halloween, which I appreciated, but just sort of like, like when is it, there's certainly a time when you're like, this is way too soon to have on Christmas lights. And then all there's, right, this, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into this. I have, all right. I have um so before halloween like days before halloween i went into target to try and find like a halloween shirt to be like that cool professor on the Mm -hmm. for halloween and everything halloween was gone and everything was replaced by christmas before halloween that is too soon i am all for prep as soon as it turns uh after after halloween so for example i am currently sketching out my inflatables and how many square feet of uh 
linear feet, I don't know, of lights I have and how that's going to work on the new house that I am in and how many more, like I'm laying in the groundwork. That's totally fine. Before it gets too cold, I want to put the lights up. That's also fine. I probably will not turn them on. However, Thanksgiving's really late this year. So if people wanted to turn them on before Thanksgiving, I'm okay with that because it's the 27th. Come on, that's not even a full month of lights. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would say four to six weeks feels like a good thing to have them on and active. I typically try to wait until after Thanksgiving, but one, when it's as late as it is this year, I probably won't make it. Um, but I am ardent that the first time I listen to Christmas music is after Thanksgiving on the drive home from wherever it is I have been. Um, and that's just been my, my tradition and I, I try to keep to it. But that is my very scattershot and unlinear set of rules for Christmas lights and decoration. Um, I think you, the time for decorating for Christmas is the day after Thanksgiving. Put up the tree, get everything out. That's, come on, you got to give Thanksgiving its due. But that said, I live in Canada and Thanksgiving's <laughs> in August. Um, so uh, I am American, but I now live in Canada. So I also celebrate American Thanksgiving. So I will do my Christmas decorations after American Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. My lights are already on my house, but that's because it snows. They are not plugged in, but they are on the house. Um, I am a firm day after Thanksgiving, although Christmas music is already playing because I have children and, you know, sometimes you just let them win. You got to pick your battles. You do. And it's the Christmas lights. That's my battle. So my thing is, from an accessibility standpoint, small personal disclosure, my father has a condition called COPD. So he has really compromised breathing ability. He probably has about a quarter of normal lung function now. My dad, being who he is, is a very stubborn creature. And I believe it has kept him out of a wheelchair and away from oxygen 24-7 and only at nighttime. That's the good. The bad is going up a set of stairs will wind the guy. So when it comes to Christmas decorations and lights. Uh, our family has put them up pretty early, not only because they live in Minnesota, but because it gets cold. And when you try to breathe in very cold air, it gets pretty tough. So between that and my dad's stubbornness, who he must be the one to put the lights up, <laughs> then it becomes its own conundrum. I think that's always something in the back of my head, not to say that only people with COPD should be able to put their lights up early. I think it's perfectly reasonable, especially in cold places, but just like from an accessibility standpoint, decorate when it's good for your body. But also I would concur that I don't typically light up my lights and have things on and plugged in and out until the day after Christmas. Now on Christmas, Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> like that is a long time. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, she just does New Year's lights. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I have before. What I've done is decorated a tree in Halloween decor and then stripped the Halloween decor decorated with holiday themed Christmas decor um, after Halloween. But I don't typically do that until the day after, but this year it falls on my wife's birthday. So Black Friday is going to be a no-go for decor unless she wants to. But I think if you're playing Christmas music, don't until Thanksgiving or after. <laughs> <laughs> for all of us out here in the United States, listening to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is you, less than a month is adequate. But otherwise, if it makes you happy, I mean, I was just looking up, I've, I've seen... In pop, I've seen in the news lately that psychologists say, quote unquote, that putting Christmas decorations up early makes you happier. Still getting to the bottom of it, but it looks like it was a study by a psychologist named Deborah Serrani. 
And so they talk about how the neurological shift can produce happiness by celebrating that holiday. So thinking about that, but if you don't decorate, if you don't do that, whatever makes you happier, because there's some folks who also have that trauma attachment. I'm going to stop talking. I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I think that's a good point, though, because like, it certainly makes my kids excited when they see Christmas lights up. Um, the community I live in, we have a lot of um, Indian Americans. And so uh, Diwali se- celebrations happen right around Halloween. So there's actually a lot of looking like Christmas lights, but they're for Diwali. And it, my kids get super excited for that. And just seeing all the lights up and they just love running around the neighborhood seeing all the lights. Um, so I think that there probably is something to it, like making you happier. It's like, it's dark out. and then when, But when it's dark and you're driving home and you see all these pretty lights, it's like, oh. It's nice. <laughs> I get excited about that. Like I yeah. am, I mean, so far I am probably like the biggest Christmas enthusiast I know. Um, my sister and I sometimes rival that, you know, my son is three this year. So I'm going to see if he's in competition so far, not yet, but that's also, so yes, I think a lot of it has to do with, for those who have positive associations, it does bring up those thoughts. So I think about, you know, I'm baking cookies with my, with my family who I, or for the, with the family members, I actually have good, good associations <laughs> I love the lights. I love the surprise. I love just everything about just that, that sensation of, of Christmas. Um, but I also do want to give a shout out to anybody who may not celebrate Christmas, but maybe mm-hmm. celebrate like yes. or something else. I have zero idea about any kind of decoration ish stuff. The only Hanukkah experience I ever had is my friends here. They, they celebrate Hanukkah and we went over and we were I don't even remember what day or whatever it was. Um, But all of a sudden I hear my son going, mommy, cake, cake. I want cake. (sighs) Mommy, cake. And I I go in and he's trying to blow out the candles on the menorah because he thinks they are cake candles and he was demanding cake. Oh, oh God. (laughs) He's precious. And I will remind him of every single year um, until I die. But yeah. uh, yeah, So for any listeners out there, I would love to know, is there any like guidance on, on non-Christmas related festivists, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the rules for decorating around other holidays and things. I, I think like for me, the frustration with Christmas music early started when I was in college and I was going shopping on Halloween for something and walked in and Christmas music was playing. And I, I was like, you guys should be playing, you know, Nightmare on Bald Mountain. Like this needs to be Halloween music, not Christmas music today. And it, I, I was very indignant for, you know, a young 20-year-old. Like, hmm. <laughs> and, and it needs to be special. And if you have it for three months, mm-hmm. it's less special. Yeah, it's not special. Yeah, Halloween's like this last bastion between <laughs> Christmas busting yeah. out into all the, all the other months. Because it used to be Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it just leeches. Um, so hold strong, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> You've got this, Halloween. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, we will take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about how to survive our families during the holidays and conflict resolution around the dinner table. We'll be back. Do you like Dungeons and Dragons streams? Who doesn't? Come check out Geeks Like Us Clinical Role, Mondays from 9 to 12 EST. Whereas his Dr. Megan, Canel takes her psychologist friends through the Underdark into pirates? Oh, I want to be a pirate. Oh, get my sword. Anyway, Clinical Role, Mondays, 9 to midnight, on the Geeks Like Us Twitch channel. (laughs) All right, and we are back. So before we jump into our main topic, I think we have another confessional this week. Yes. I want to confess that I spent too much time playing Persona 5 late into the evening. And last night, 
I got a girlfriend. <laughs> what? Not because not because it gives queer opportunities because you're playing a, you're playing a dude. It's definitely straight opportunities only. In fact, the game has a bit of conversational discourse around like, oh, that's weird. Two boys. We all made cringe faces. <laughs> yeah, I won't spoil anything for people who are going to play the game. But 130 hours in, I now am dating. So wow! Just- Congratulations. <laughs> Thank Mom's you. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Ugh, I, the, the game is based on like a calendar and so each day passes in the game and I'm all the way into December and uh, it, it's like I don't know when the end is but I know they cut off the number of playable characters because they knew it would take too long so I'm just curious how long this JRPG has to go. When wow. did they put Christmas lights up? Uh, I mean it's December 17th where I'm at and there's no Christmas lights. There's so. Okay, so wow. They're, doing, they're pulling the Sarah that? day after Christmas. I know. <laughs> yep. So, Sarah, tell me, is this what Life Without Kids is like, where you can stay up late and play video games? <laughs> yes. This is where my wife and I have to cut ourselves off after 2 a.m. playing Borderlands 3. Wow. You know, wow. <laughs> dinking it. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. Well, but we'll just wait until one day you're like, I can't sleep anymore. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be day. Yes. All right. So we are getting ready to go into holiday season where we get to spend time with our families, which can be both good and bad. And uh, we do see a lot of struggles around uh, families getting together around the dinner tables and holiday, different meals, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas or just other holidays, even also getting together sometimes with your coworkers for like holiday parties and stuff. So what would be some of your, the things that you guys would recommend for surviving the holidays and how to get through things or to maybe even enjoy them? So I'll tell you the strategy I have employed this year called avoidance. <laughs> and um, the, my family is uh, on one end of the political spectrum and my in-laws are on the other end of the political spectrum. And given the political climate in the United States between now and Christmas around you know, this little thing like impeachment hearings, uh, we decided to go to my, uh, my in-laws for, for Thanksgiving. So that way things can be a little less awkward given the, again, political climate, which would inevitably come up in my family because my husband works on Capitol Hill. And so mm. any talk of work is going to include that. And so, yeah, I am, I am just practicing very mindful avoidance of dealing with that kind of conflict. Well, and that's a, important type of avoidance because it's one of the things I always encourage people is like, don't just run away from something, run to something else. And so you're going from a situation that you see as being like highly, highly volatile and conflict oriented into a situation that you feel will be less so. Yes. Everybody at that, at that Thanksgiving table will will be on the same team. (laughs) (laughs) So that's good because I love Thanksgiving. And if anything were to happen to like the mashed potatoes or the stuffing, like I would, I would be very bereft. They do make great projectiles. They, they, go, they go in and then into the tummy. That's where they belong. <laughs> From foot to mouth is the projectile task right there for you. <laughs> uh, I think having on that note, kind of like parenting, don't tell a kid no. Give mm-hmm. a kid a, a replacement activity and distract. I've found, I mean, politics is usually a sore topic or like not fulfilling not that this is a present thing in my family necessarily, but like 
not fulfilling expectations of a family member of mm -hmm. like, why aren't you going to college? Why don't you work at X or Y? Why didn't you move home? Why aren't you wearing makeup? Why did you get that tattoo? Like judgments. So instead coming up with some topics that people can talk about that are neutral zones or like finding avenues, talking about the other person because then it's not about you. And then it's easier to just listen and not invalidate and reflective questions and be like, oh, yeah, that's great. What did you think of the, the twins game, Nancy? And then it's easier to move on. A little Minnesota coming out there. Um, I think that inevitably, most likely, maybe not in Kelly's case, but there might be some kind of argument that comes up at the dinner table. My family is very much from the South and I'm very much living in the North. So if that gives you any hint as to what kind of conflicts we might have. You, you want to resolve the conflict, not win the argument, is something I like to say. There's not really anything fruitful that can come from arguing. Facts do not change people's minds. People are attached to emotional arguments. And if, you know, your long-lost aunt is telling you why your political candidate is terrible and horrible, there's no point in you relaying facts because, you know, Every day she is watching a certain kind of media and interacting with a certain kind of people and she is very much enmeshed in that group. So seeing, you know, cousin number 23 once a year at Thanksgiving, you don't need to try and win that argument. You just say, uh-huh, mm-hmm, all right, I'm going to go get some more snacks and <laughs> excuse yes. yourself. I find smiling and nodding and walking away. There is no point in, in trying to argue. Just enjoy the food. Yeah. So knowing when to engage and when not to engage. Yeah. Uh, to uh, Sarah's point, like there's this really cool, it's not a game. They're called table topics. It's these really nice acrylic uh, cubes that have different conversation starters in them. They're like, what's the first album you ever bought? The first concert you ever went to? And they're great for family gatherings because it's pretty just general questions, nothing too hot topic-y like the store or the actual discussion points. Mm -hmm. It can or, be helpful. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> oh, I just, I have a really hard time with that. I mean, for a mm -hmm. lot of reasons, most of them are mine. But like, I, one of the things I struggle with is, you know, if, you know, especially in, in our, the political climate in the US, the idea of like, you know, go talk to your people. You know, there's, I, I do feel some kind of responsibility. So if someone is spouting like really horrific rhetoric, I, th there's a difficulty in just like letting that slide. And not even in terms of like winning an argument, but like, you know, that's not something you should ever say out loud. And so I, I struggle with that because I'm like, well, if, if I let it pass, then, you know, maybe who else, who else is going to do that work? Who else has the relationship with someone that they, they can do that with? On the other hand, I totally agree with Rachel in that, like, I think when you talk, especially politics with your family, you're never actually just talking about politics. Mm -hmm. You're always talking about the relationship between you and that person. And then politics is just the com topic that's coming up. So I know I can never, ever have a conversation, like a, a good conversation with my father about politics. It will never happen. Not because of, I mean, maybe because of the ideology, but large part of it is because of our like combative history um, for the last 30 odd years. And so I, I, maybe you guys have some advice, but yeah, where do you, where do you find that line between standing up for something that like, you know, my kid's there, I don't want him to think it's okay to say something like that. I would never want him to treat someone like that and like saying, no, that's not, that's not okay. 
and doing the thing where you like maintain family cohesion and, Mm -hmm. you know, recognizing that privilege of getting to decide to not care or decide to not say anything. And it's this weird balance that I I struggle with. And I I don't know if there is a balance. There's probably not even a right answer. I mean, what do you guys think? I would say don't let, don't let the hate speech slide by. Definitely. I would definitely say something. Being an advocate is very, very important and never let that go. But make the point and then don't try to, I think my point is don't try to change their minds. Like you said, you're not going to win the argument, but we are, you know, all citizens of the world. Definitely Mm -hmm. call out drunk uncle's hate speech. If you feel safe to do so. Mm -hmm. Correct. Good caveat. I was going to say, like, I think curiosity is always a great tactic of when somebody's spouting something to sit down and to go like, I'm really, help me understand what's going on in your head. Like I see something very different here and help me understand what's going on that you're seeing this and help me understand in not in a way where we're directly challenging them. Because a lot of times, like when we're talking out of fear, especially, which we know like a lot of political arguments now focus on fear because they know that's how they get an emotional reaction out of us. And they know how that's, that's how we retweet and repost stuff and comment on things is by hitting our, you know, hitting our amygdala. And so like, if fear inside of our head is like the boogeyman, it's this big, humongous, scary shadow. But then when we start speaking our fears out loud, they don't pass the logic test usually for, even for our own ears. And it's a really powerful thing when someone starts talking through their argument and then they start really thinking like, well, wait, what did I just say? And when you can have that kind of safe, non-judgmental space where you're just curious and trying to understand I think that that can help a lot. But it's difficult too, though, when someone's saying something that goes so fundamentally against things that you believe, it can be really, really challenging. And I think if it's flagrant or if you've done the emotional load of trying that, or even if you've reached the end of your emotional gas tank and you can't engage in that, tell me more conversation, being able to say like, hey, I would appreciate if we don't talk about this topic in front of my child. And then to step aside with your, with your little one afterwards or beforehand, if you can predict roughly that, like, if you know Uncle Joe's going to be there and Uncle Joe won't stop spouting about his favoritism for a political candidate's beliefs about gender or something like that, then you can be like, you can have that framework conversation with your child. So when they hear that, it's not unfiltered. It's through the, the lens of like, okay, your uncle has this perspective. You don't have to have this perspective. This is, this is what we think about it. This is what I think about it. And then you can go into that space knowing that your child isn't just going to swallow it, that you can, you can do some of that work around it without having to like not expose them to Joe ever. So Joe doesn't, that, that still maintains some of the kindness somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, and one of my colleagues once said something that I disagreed with when they first said it, but then the more I thought about it, the more I realized it was smart, which is if you can predict behavior, you can control the behavior. So it's like, if you know that someone's going to be talk, want to talk about this one thing, in many ways, we can control that by understanding how to steer the conversation or steer it away or just go, okay, when they do start talking about this thing, I know it's immediately going to lead to their, you know, horrible long story about how they got ripped off by this company. And I don't feel like hearing it again. So we will time our exit for when they start talking about their shoes or whatever their tell is. Also like backup plans on backup plans, right? Mm -hmm. Like I always, if I, I've had great experiences recently with my family, so I don't feel like there's that awkwardness or that things are hard, but I know that when things 
have been like when I came out and I was nervous and had a lot of my own stuff coming in when I was with family like cooking was always a great way for me to just kind of regulate for a minute having backup plans on backup plans if um, you know that you have people around you who are going to be toxic or challenging to your own mental health and you need breaks coming up with activities a lot of people go to the movies on Thanksgiving apparently that's a big or bowling Mm-hmm. Having activities that you do in between or during to kind of modulate who you're around, how much, like if you're sitting around, there's going to be conversation because it's awkward to sit in silence and stare at people. So bring some games, bring some games for yourself, bring your switch and play untitled goose game. No one likes to argue about a goose for having sakes. It's going to be fun. Hashtag not a sponsor. Hashtag would love sponsor. <laughs> but finding things like that, where it's such a neutral thing that, the conversation doesn't have to just be free flow to the whim of whatever everyone's talking about and finds tantalizing, but it can be steered by behaviors. And if you need an out, make sure you have an avenue. So don't get a ride with your aunt Marsha. Take yourself there if you can, or finding something else to do. Take a nap. Sure. Is the science behind the actuality of the tryptophan of the turkey? No, but overeating usually. So mm-hmm. go take a nap anyways. <laughs> Like that. And actually that brings us into like a good secondary topic of this. Like how do we engage in self-care around not just like the stress of being around family, but like the pressure of the holidays? Because like, you know, it goes from Thanksgiving into let's go shopping on Black Friday, then Cyber Monday and holiday party, holiday party, travel, travel, travel. Like there's just so much. So how do you guys ensure that you don't burn out? Like what are your, do you have self-care strategies asking for a friend, not me at all? I mean, I was going to say, if you drink alcohol, I try to drink more water than alcohol yes. during the holiday season because it is so nonstop between Thanksgiving and holiday parties and Christmas and this and that and the other thing. So that's just one, hydration. Every other is my rule for that. I do the same thing. I was thinking like in terms of Black Friday, I don't do it. Like I just, I, I really hate crowds like at a very core level of my being. And so I like that for me is a big, if I had to do it, I would be really, really stressed. But I, I know that's something that's not for me. So I just don't, I, I don't do it. And I, I, again, I'm such a Christmas, I'm such a kid, like the, the getting the tree and getting the lights and then figuring out the perfect present for every person. And like, it could get stressful, but it doesn't. I just, I enjoy that process so much of setting everything up and um, like, you know, making cookies. My, my son, you know, he, lo- he calls it the mix mix. And so, you know, he gets a whisk and I get a whisk and we, you know, we, he pours ingredients in and we mix them together. And he, you know, that just, it's just like so much warm fuzziness. So for me, if, if there is stress, it is probably because of family, <laughs> not because of the actual events and holidays themselves. My tactic for that is avoidance. <laughs> I know last year I cooked the whole feast, the whole feast with my friend. We did Friendsgiving. Um, I don't typically, so from Seattle, I don't go home to Minnesota for Thanksgiving, but well, this will be the first Christmas I have not spent in my parents' house in my lifetime. Um, And that's because for this Christmas, we are giving gifts for, um, we're all giving each other a trip to California to take my niece and nephew who are turning three this year to Disneyland. Yeah, so it'll be super fun. And um, you you should have seen all the faces. (laughs) But uh, don't cook the whole feast. We took two days off of work and still we're cooking until 8 p.m. And so it's down down to like, do you really need all of the foods? Do you even celebrate Thanksgiving? 
maybe it's hashtag unpopular opinion, but you don't appreciate the um, colonialism and the like history behind the holiday, so you don't really want to celebrate. So, don't, so I challenge you to not. Maybe you do, like, my wife hates turkey. We're probably not going to have turkey on Thanksgiving, and that's okay. So don't feel like you have to have, like, all of the things in order to have an authentic experience. It's about what it is for you and how you want it to be. So that's my recommendation. Also kind of avoidance, but less avoidy, more <laughs> regulatory. <laughs> Healthy avoidance. is <laughs> Structure. Yes. Well, awesome. Well, we'll take one more break and come on back and talk about what our brain's been noodling on. Curious about the psychological effects of time travel? Want to join in on Harry Potter trivia? While watching stupid people play games, that wasn't very nice, but I'm saying it anyway, come joy thumpence on Thursday at our Geeks Like Us Twitch stream from 9 to 11.30 EST at night. We'll have a good time. We want to hear what you have to say. Other fun things. Megan's looking at me like I'm doing a decent job. Enjoy brain noodles. All right, and we're back. So we are going to be talking about the things that our brains have been noodling on. And I want to start because I'm super excited about mine because it's so dumb for any of our, you know, Y chromosome, you know, audience people, you're going to be like, why is this a big deal? I found a gene company that has pockets that hold my cell phone. And not dumb, not dumb. I, it is. Oh my God. Okay. So like, I'm sorry, the viewers are not going to, or listeners are not going to get seats, but like, look, look. Hand. You're showing us her pants. She's all the way in the front pocket. Of her all pants. the way. That's and all the way. Pocket. Wow. And in her back pocket, her wrist is all the way. Women of the world pocket. will understand. Yes. This is a company, yes. Raiden Jeans. They started on Kickstarter and they're still doing pre-orders for their jeans. They're super comfy too. They're stri really stretchy and nice. And I'm very, I ordered three pairs and I am very glad I did. I'm going to order more. Um, so like that's, I've just been like running around sp uh, spreading the good word of these jeans and noodling on how amazing and freeing it is to have pockets and to not worry about my cell phone falling out of the pocket of my sweatshirt. And just, yes. So that's what my brain noodle is. <laughs> Very nice. Who else? Who else? Okay. Okay. I was just waiting for everyone else to go, but I will go. Um, there is a newish YouTube video out called The Complex Problems of Mental Illness, produced by uh, one Tom Hickson, and his YouTube channel is Hello Future Me. And it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's about 28-ish minutes long. Dr. Kelly Dunlap is the one who, who shared it originally in our Discord. Um, but he goes through and he talks about the different <laughs> problems of the way in which mental illness is represented in the media. And it's wonderful. And everyone should watch it. For clarification, I was not the one who shared it. Oh, <laughs> who shared it? It's me. Dr. <laughs> Megan Connell is the one who shared it. And it was fabulous. And everyone give her um, snaps. <laughs> his channel's really good too he does a big time breakdown of the lord of the rings lore and all of like why gladriel is so powerful and deep dives into the lore of the avatar the last airbender and it i love oh it's so good his channel's really good i have a closing question after we noodle okay i am noodling on life change as usual both for myself and others and thinking about like what is my life going to look like in three months time, in six months time. But then also I'm noodling on like, how am I gonna get there? Which is the hardest question, especially for ADHD folks like myself. Um, and so I am shopping for planners 
in this time of year, as is always what I do. I always use a planner called the Passion Planner. Um, and so I am looking at their planners, and though I have never been a big fan of yellow, for whatever reason, I have been pulled towards goldenrod in my life recently. And they have a beautiful, full US letter page size planner that has half an hour breakdowns with weekly planner pages of to-dos, and then monthly to-dos and reflection pages. So I'm stoked. Nice. I just got a new planner called the Super Busy Planner or something like that. I'm loving it. Googling. And Kelly, what have you been noodling on? So it's it's been a very um, interesting week. Interesting is probably not the right word for it um, for me. There's been a lot of um, uncertainty and instability. And, you know, obviously I, I don't really have that much of a plan at the moment. I'm, you know, it's all still kind of, still kind of fresh and figuring things out. There's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. So I, I don't know if I have been noodling necessarily as opposed to more surviving <laughs> um, and like flitting from one, one survival moment to, to the next. So I guess for my noodle this week, it's hoping to have that time to actually think about something <laughs> in depth and to be curious about it as opposed to just um, having been a little bit more reactionary uh, to, to my environment, my surroundings in the last, the last couple days. So I hope that's okay. It's not a noodle. That's okay. No, that's That's great. That's exactly what noodles are. It's your brain just going in circles around things. Yeah. So maybe it's not, it's not a very good noodle. What's what's a crappy noodle? Like a a, a blue box macaroni and cheese noodle. I feel like that's just a spaghetti noodle. It goes in lots of directions. It might look like I'll, I'll, I'll attach to a big mess, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> you know, one of my clients shared with me this comic where the client's sitting in the chair and their thought bubble is a bunch of yarn balls all tangled up together. And the therapist's thought bubble is all three yarn balls separated out neatly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And I, uh, I would recommend if you don't have a, a psychologist or a therapist as a friend, go find one. Because it really does help when your friends <laughs> can say things like that. I, I guess I'll throw it out of there. One thing that has been in my brain very recently that I, I did a presentation with my class last week on mental health representation in video games. And I played the, the Ninja Theory video that highlights all the screenshots that players took with all the, the comments or with a bunch of the comments that were sent in about how powerful uh, Hellblade Cinema Sacrifice was to people who had experienced psychosis or, or were close to somebody who had. And like, I was crying in class and a lot of people in my class were crying. And that's just been something like going over and over in my head again. Like, this is why I get up in the morning is because games can have that kind of power and they can have that kind of impact and they can make those kinds of changes. And so I'm trying to hold on to that as my own life is a spaghetti ball of, of confusion um, and try to try to get that sorted out. Preach. <laughs> maybe awesome. now you can play Persona 5. And then you can do yes. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you too can have a virtual boyfriend. Talk to you oh, about how virtual weeby yes. it is because there are some very weeby, very classic <laughs> anime extra characters on there. And I think it's very weird and interesting. But the trauma arcs in that game are stellar. So if you have the time on your hands, I highly recommend. That is such a psychologist thing to say. I know. The trauma arcs in that game are stellar. They have some really, there's some serious themes in that game. Not unlike a game that I frequently discuss, Doki Doki. 
This one's not as aggressive. It's not as in your face, but it, they definitely discuss more traumatic topics and like personal growth and post-traumatic growth. That's cool. All right. Well, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you all. This has been Brain Noodles and Wondering Shrink will take us out. Brain Noodles is a production of Geeks Like Us. Your hosts for this podcast are doctors Megan Connell, Kelly Dunlap, Rachel Cowart, and Sarah Sawyer. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Audio edited, mixed, and mashed by Amelia Herbst. Follow Geeks Like Us on Twitter at G33KS, like us, that's at G33KSLIKEUS. Until next time, keep noodling.